This is Impact Healthcare, people and strategies that are disrupting the health benefits industry. And now, here's your host, healthcare benefits industry expert and the originator of the transparent health benefits movement, Lester Morales. Man, am I excited for another episode of Impact Healthcare. And this is somebody that I've crossed paths with, I don't know, 19 times. Chris, we might both be cats and have nine lives. Uh, but I've got Chris Lebrecht, uh from Patient on today. And this is a little bit of a different story. I think, you know, a lot of times we have folks on that are... Um, advising clients or even clients themselves. And this is a very niche conversation. But when we talk about the why it is so important, there isn't an article that you can read about healthcare being, let's just say what it is, unaffordable for most humans. And this is a conversation on, hey, how do we take something that could financially destroy somebody. 67% of personal bankruptcies happen because of medical expenses. I grew up in a household of parents that filed bankruptcy because of my dad's cancer. So this is such a really cool conversation. Chris, thanks so much for being on. For the audience members that don't know you and don't know patient, give us an introduction to you and talk about the great company. Sure, happy to. So, so I serve as um, I serve currently as chief customer officer here at Patient. Came on board in February of 2023, so it's relatively new to me. And that's on the tail end of a 31-year career as a broker consultant. Um, most recently, a stint from 2010 to 2022 with Insurance Office of America as president of their their benefits division. So, long, deep history of broker consultant space. And then decided just to change occupations and do something different and find a way to challenge. Uh, and, and I found that, um, you know, patient, five-year-old company, um, it's a, uh, um, you know, a, a venture capital-backed um, startup and growing very, very quickly because we've found, as you said, niche, right? So we found a place um, that we belong that is clearly scratching a niche and touching on something that we all deal with on a regular basis, and that is affordability and access. That's our core, um, and that's what we do. We, we, we make it very simple and easy for the employee and user patient, and I say patient without a why for that purposes in this conversation, um, to, to, to use the, the benefit plans that the brokers work so hard to architect and clients pay so much to put in front of. Um, you know, when you think about it, Honestly, Lester, when you think about it at the end of the day, like as a broker consultant, you work really hard to make sure that you're putting something personal, relevant, accessible, um, easy to engage with and understand in front of the end user at a time when you know they're not really planning for this, right? People get thrown into the healthcare system more than they engage with it. And so it, in doing so, um, one of the challenges that we've started to recognize is the, the, the pain to pay. The moment you're standing in the office and you have to stroke a $500 check, a $300 check, a $100 check, depending on your situation, how hard that can be. And so, you know, our organization provides employees with an interest-free, no-fee credit card sponsored by an employer 
that an employee can use to pay for medical, dental, vision, behavioral health, and veterinary expenses if the employer decides to do that with a limit set by the employer. So it's a healthcare wallet. They basically put a healthcare wallet in every single person's pocket to use as they need to, um, that they can use as an expense and kind of smooth those expenses out over time. Uh, so, you know, the, the company's why is, you know, their, their core, their mantra is do no harm, um, support people at, at every turn, administratively for HR folks, um, you know, conceptually and strategically for brokers, and simply put, just in any way for that employee, end user, patient, we want them to be able to use the benefit designs the way they were intended so that they get the best possible results. And, you know, gosh, you know, when you actually do that, plan costs go down, uh, the experience of the member goes up. And, and honestly, Lester, what was the last time you met a quote unquote vendor partner that had a 90 plus net promoter score for a five year running stint? I mean, it just doesn't happen. I mean, I mean, I've done business with a lot of different progressive uh, companies and some of the traditional companies over time. I was never really coming across that level of delight, which tells us, again, we're scratching an itch. There's a need out there and the experience people are going through when they engage with our product um, and our process is, is something that delights them. And ultimately, the HR folks are, are pleased and the results that we're starting to see peripheral results beyond affordability and access are starting to have an impact. Um, and our data is is adding up to that. We have nearly 800,000 members on platform, over 1,000 employers on platform. We do business with all of the major payers in an ACA space. So we've been around five years, even though most people don't know what the term health payment account means just yet, or maybe the best kept secret. Um, but clearly, there's, there's a need out there, and, and we're touching it. And it's really around affordability and access. So, so Chris, you, you, you hit on, hey, you spent 30 years on the other side, right? Constructing these strategies. And, you know, as somebody who also spent a lot of time on that side of the business, it's interesting to get on a different side and then look back and say, damn, what the heck were we doing over there? And so I kind of want to hit on one in this conversation. There's not an advisor alive that didn't have the conversation around consumerism, right? And use consumerism synonymous with, we're going to jack up the deductible to $5,000 and put an HSA in there. And... Mm -hmm. You know, I think the average seed of an HSA might be five hundred to a thousand dollars. So it leaves that exposure. Let's call that three, four thousand dollars. And as an advisor, I feel that we were so far removed from truly, really understanding what an average person was dealing with. And I, 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 I want you to kind of. Did you come to that epiphany yourself when you moved over to patient that, holy cow, I was building plans and you had hundreds of people working for you at, at a very large firm, all of our competition, everyone's doing the same thing. And I, I think at the end of the day, we were so far removed from that person that is truly making the decision of 
do I go get that MRI or do I pay my mortgage? Talk, talk to me about that epiphany for you and, and why that means so much. Uh, you are so touched. I, I, I feel like you've been listening to me for the last three weeks. And I know that's not true, but you nailed it. Honestly, Lester, I don't know how you figured that out, but this is the thing that I came to. It's absolutely what I came to. I spoke at the NABIP um, meeting about three weeks ago in Central Florida. Um, and th th this is sort of what I said, you know, for the first five years as a consultant, I was probably underpaid for the effort that I put in, right? The next five years, I was pretty much paid equivalent to what my results were, very meritocratic. After that, I would say I was probably overpaid for the amount of work. And it's sort of the business, right? It builds out. I don't, I don't say that to talk about what I was getting paid, but what, what happened to me over time was I got more distant from the pain of that employee and user patient, the true, real struggle they have financially. And I'll talk about our results, Lester, that reveal this very, very clearly, but you're nailing it. This was the thing. That was the epiphany that I did. That's a great word because that's so, it was like it hit me in a moment. I said, I was working really hard to architect these things and to put them together and get them coordinated in a way that the end user could, could think of it intuitively and engage with it and that it wasn't too expensive. What I missed was that paying the pay. So we track our data on a daily basis. I mean, literally, we have analytics that are going all the time around the average swipe. And so you said MRI or mortgage. That's really not where it is. We have people that are swiping on average, Lester, $118 to create a payment plan off of. So that's, and, and this, this has an impact on people making over $75,000 a year. So we're not talking about folks that are, you know, 400% of poverty or these, these people are average swipe is $118. That's in the employer market, not the ACA market where there is, there are greater issues around affordability. This is in the employer market. People with jobs, they're swiping and, 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 and putting payment plans on $118 on average, which means they are at times swiping $50, $40. That is an, an indicator of the pain. Now, you look at most people, their car is pretty nice, their house is pretty nice, their kids are going to a decent school, but you really don't know below the surface how they are financially. I think it's been very clearly written and documented, the challenges that our population, that the U.S. population is facing with respect to preparedness for retirement, the ability to offset a major expense. Interestingly enough, the majority of what we see is not a $2,000 MRI uh, expense. These things do happen but they're much smaller expenses. What it's telling us around our data and that pain to pay is that people need help. They need someone to come to them. Like right now, most employees are paying more in premium every single year and they're, they're, they're being asked to contribute more on the claim side. They're getting kind of squeezed in between. And with March of 2020 happening and we have this precipitous drop in care, there's a lot of folks that can't afford to come back into the system that are sitting on the sideline. What does that mean for us as a healthcare system over time? I can just tell you it's not good, right? That much I do know. How, you know, how that's going to manifest itself over time is anyone's guess, but I will tell you the longer somebody goes for care and waits because they can't afford it, the worse that care becomes. And they become the 8 to 12% that drive 80% of spend. They become the high-cost claimant, or at the very least, they become somebody who's dealing with comorbidities, and we all know what that means, both in benefits cost and in workers' comp cost, right, later on down the road. So what we're doing and our data is reflecting this, is giving people the opportunity to re-engage in their own healthcare journey and come back into the system. 
And the way our card gets used, a lot of folks are using it for those types of things. They're going for a specialist visit that they hadn't been for a while. They're fulfilling the prescriptions that they do need to maintain their health so they don't end up in the hospital in a, in a major claim. So the utilization is there. I cannot tell you that I'm, I'm amazed you hit that epiphany note so clearly because it was my, I thought and I intellectually experienced what struggle to pay means, but I didn't emotionally experience because it's been a very long time since I struggled financially, right? So ultimately, I, I think you're absolutely correct. I think this is something we need to um, look at more closely, be more aware of, be more empathetic towards. Um, most HR folks are going to tell you they think their people are paid right, and they're, but they don't know what's happening in that person's house. They don't know how much they're struggling. They don't know what they're responsible for. And to, to bring um, relief and alleviate this in a very simple and delightful way that folks recognize and value um, ha has a great impact on the overall performance. So think of, the, think of our card like a veneer that goes over top of all the benefits that you work so hard to put in front of your client that makes all of them perform just slightly better. And then you start thinking of the aggregation of marginal gains across all of them and the ultimate impact that has on turnover, on cost, on just the overall employee experience where they're they're using this card to navigate healthcare in a way that actually delights them, which is completely not something I was used to in the marketplace, right? Most people were very confused and, and distraught by their health plans, even the ones I put in front of them because they're Getting bandwidth to teach them how to use them was always difficult. But who doesn't understand a Visa card? You know, everybody knows how to use that. And by the way, it changes consumer behavior. It reminds me of my son when he was 11 years old. He said, Dad, buy me that. And I said, well, you have $100 in your savings account. You can buy it for yourself. Well, his attitude completely changed. He said, well, yeah, maybe I won't. But like, So when you have the ability to pay, um, your consumer behavior changes, and it changes for the better. You become a little more discriminating about how you're going to access care, and you think about it. Uh, but if you can't pay, you can't pay. And at the end of the day, if you can't pay, you can't access something so um, so rightful as you know engaging in your own health. It, it becomes very problematic, as we've all you know as, as consultants we faced that for years. Yeah. So so I, I want to personify uh, this and, and and talk about it in real life. So I'm dealing with a group right now. One of one of my clients and uh, you know six seven hundred very blue collar. And the execs wanted an HSA, right? Okay. So the mandate, HR mandates, hey, we got to put in an HSA. And so I'm working with their advisor and I see the contribution strategy. And through the plan design, the HSA is the cheapest plan because of, of hey, you got a $5,000 deductible, right? Okay. And the story I told back to the empathy, because it literally gave me a stomach ache to think you are going to migrate people that were in a $3,000 HRA that got seated with $1,500 that had copays for office visits and drugs. And you're going to throw everybody to HSA. And I look at this and I'm like, the intended consequence was my executives want the HSA. Well, sure, Chris and Lester have $5,000 in the bank. They're not going to struggle should something happen. Sure, we want to lower our taxable income. We want to roll things into. So I get the why for that population of people. 
the decision makers, right? And I think about this because even the advisors that are sitting in that room are in the same socioeconomic position a lot of times as the decision makers, removing ourselves from the person who makes $15 an hour. So I go up to the whiteboard and I start doing math. I said, let's suppose that Uncle Sam takes this. A $5,000 deductible is like 22 to 25% of their net take-home pay. What in God's creation are doing? So walk me through that scenario. I am a $15 an hour worker. I've got a patient card in there. Who put money on this card? How do I pay it back? Walk me through the the kind of the, the, the in the weeds dirty part about that. Yeah, two, two parts to that. Number one is that $3,000 deductible to those that, that varying income strata within that employer is, is really something, right? That's the, that's the inequity that goes along with healthcare equity. It's one of the social determinants of health. So, but it really comes down to not the deductible, it's the ability to pay. And so when you, when you put that card in the hands of the end user, the guy who's making 32,000 versus the guy who's making 320,000 can both equally afford to pay because they simply stretch out that payment over time as needed. The one making 320 strikes, strokes a check and pays it. The one making 32,000. So, so, so let's dig into that. Yeah. I, I have my HSA card over here. My employer put $500 in there and, and I didn't put anything because we know most people don't put anything in there. So I go to whatever visit. I lay mine down first and then the patient, or how, how does that work? So it, it depends on on the understanding at the end user level, which we try to work to, to make sure that they understand how to use it. But the savvy ones, what they're doing is they're using our card first, and then they're choosing how to repay that. So if it falls under the require under the, the federal guidelines of an eligible expense for HSA or FSA, then they'll pay back our card through the HSA or FSA. If not, then they use our card to pay. Ultimately, we all know, right? People aren't, are not saving enough for retirement. HSA dollars, you want to keep them in the bank as long as you possibly can. So use interest-free, no-fee credit uh, to pay that over as long as you need to out, out as far as 36 months and make it make, make the payments that way. It's a really simple process, Lester. You know, basically, a person downloads the app. They go through what's called an ATR process, ability to repay. It's not a credit check. We don't check people's credit. We don't ex we don't impact their credit at all. They have to go, you know, because we're financially regulated by the industry, you know, we have to put them through an ATR process, which I think it's 98% of our population gets through. They once they've done that, they have a virtual card on their phone and they're approved. They can swipe the card, choose repayment terms through payroll deduction, and they're off and running. I actually had my dog fixed last week, the poor little guy, I feel for him, but it was $500 and my wife used a card, paid it over four payments just to see how it worked. And it took me all of maybe three and a half minutes to go through the entire process. Very, very simple. So, so it's not the employer funding those dollars. It's my own eventual dollars. I will just be making payments on this over a period of time it begs the question there's no such thing as a free lunch how, how does this how, how do you guys get remunerated in that scenario so the employer it's, it's similar to what you would see in an fsa or an hsa where they pay us an administrative a ppm an administrative fee 
Got uh, it. We take we take the credit risk. So if an employee fulfills five thousand dollars on January one and quits the next day, that's on us to collect. That's not the employer's responsibility. Where in an FSA, the employer gets beat out of it. In an HSA, it's one hundred percent vested. They get beat out of that too. This is basically the employer saying, "Hey, we're going to set a limit of twenty five hundred dollars because that's what two years worth of accumulators tell us that we've seen our population using, and our plan design has it deductible at twenty five hundred, whatever it is we can sell to that." They put that card right in the wallet of the end user, and now they have the ability to pay whenever they want. Um, and, and it's a rolling credit line as well. So if they use 500 on day one, pay that over two months, well, they've got that 500 back on their credit line with, with each payment. Um, so it's a pretty simplified process, but the employer takes very, very little risk, and it has far greater utilization than an HSA or an FSA because it's not just limited to the eligible medical expenses. There are other things that can, that can be used for it as well. And and the only, you know, I mean, if someone was going to critique the only, there's no tax efficiency in this. It's after-tax dollars from the employer? That's correct. It's all post-tax dollars. Yeah. Um, so so I, I look at this and say, okay, let's go with that HSA. Yes, you lose the taxability conversation, but from an employer standpoint, you can fund that. You're not out. It's a bookkeeping feature at first. So it's not like I, you know, I could give it to somebody on this card and, and it's not like I had to put it all on the card at first. Or is it truly I, I needed to stroke that check, uh, you know, all at once? So are you talking about the employer or the employee? If the employer funded something. Yeah, the, the employer typically, I don't think we have any employers that are funding. Okay, so these are only employee dollars, member employee dollars. Dollars. The employer pays us the PEPM and the employee now gets their card. Once they download the app, they have that virtually on their phone immediately. Got it. They have access to those dollars right away. So it's a great complement to an FSA or an yeah. HRD because um, it supports what they're trying to accomplish um, as well. You know, um, I, I have to like switch gears and, and think I, on our webinar last week, I had one of my hospital partners and she told me some stats that supported a lot of what you said in regards to, you know, we all look at the patient responsibility, the member responsibility, the out-of-pocket deductible co-pays, co-insurance. And we forget that on the other side of this, the hospital is the one now chasing this and, uh, and is the collection agency. This is a value proposition for the hospital as well, because they're getting their money. You guys essentially transfer into the seat of the quote unquote collection agency in that conversation. Yeah, 100%. You know, if, you, if you dug into any of the filings that these hospitals have and look at their write-off amounts for member, member non-pay, it's substantial. Even their domestic population, their own employees, their own employees, right? And co-pays, and they don't chase them for it. So this is this is a major support to the medical provider community to get them paid instantly in the moment. I mean, there's you know any chief revenue officer of any hospital will tell you that this is a this is a, a major challenge for them, and any solution that they can find, they're always looking for ways to you know to affect payment. Um, and this, this is a great way to do it. It's very inexpensive, very helpful. And at the end of the day, I mean, it does help the patient get, get what they need. Yeah, that's a, that's amazing. And I was, uh, I mean, the stats, you know, correlated yeah. a lot of, you know, we, we all think that it's this catastrophic dollar amount. And she was saying, 
you know, 78% of the time, the member's not going to be able to fulfill $500. And when it gets to 5,000, it's like 93% of the time. So, I mean, that's just as when you're trying to pay your number one human capital cost, right? Your employees and you're a hospital. And we all as consumers of healthcare want that hospital to have the best nurses, the best doctors. And over here, the machine is like having to go run after these people. And quite honestly, the industry constructed this mess. I mean, we we did this to to ourselves. Uh, It's it's an interesting thing. I want to I want to get your take on that. So back to the first conversation. If you're now talking to advisors, let's let's take the two audiences uh, a separate. If you're talking to advisors, and again, you now have this new perspective, seeing it from the other side. How would Chris today go back and tell the old Chris, hey, when you're advising clients, when you're constructing plans, what things maybe would you do differently now that you didn't really know back then? Um, I think I think I would be more in tune to financial wellness and coaching around that. Um, you know, d- debt to pay ratios, right sizing helping people understand really not just not just coming in and doing a session you know actually engaging with the employees on an ongoing basis as a financial consultant or employing someone to do that to help them get their their finances in order um, it, it, it doesn't matter what you do as far as cost of care access to care premiums and everything else if people's finances aren't in order mayhem ensues it's just the way it works so I, I think being more aware of the financial nature, particularly around something now is, is starting to eclipse cost of mortgage in the average household, right? I mean, this is getting crazy. Um, being more aware of that and spending more time over the long haul, developing deeper relationships and trusted relationships with the employees of my employer clients in an effort to get them their debt to pay ratios right size. I mean, think about it, right? You're going into Christmas, you're a single mom. And you spend a little bit more on your kids because something happened that year. They lost a pet or lost a family member. And it's traumatic. And they want to kind of just bury that a little bit emotionally. And and Christmas gifts, they make $37,000 a year. And then they can't service the $3,000 worth of debt. So they go looking for another job for an extra $1,000 a year. And that employer loses a good employee who's hardworking for $1,000 a year, right? I mean, if the employer spent the time helping them manage that, that debt. And I think a lot of employers are trying to, they're engaging in ways they haven't before. I've never seen so much uh, empathy towards employees that we've seen in the last three or four years. I mean, it's really been, it's, it's encouraging to see people step up in that regard, but I think there's more to be done. Clearly, there is. we're commissioning a study around um, the impact to the end user of pent up care because you can't afford access. And we're hiring a, a very, um, not a traditional outfit to do the study. I'm very excited about it. We're going to release it the first quarter of next year. I'll make sure you get a copy of it. But it's basically digging into what does this really mean um, for the individual? What does it mean for the system uh, in its entirety? But I think I think it's out there, and I don't know that we all um, process it as emotionally close as we could. Intellectually, we're aware of it and we talk about it, but do we really follow through on that? Because I think that if you get people's debt-to-pay ratios right size and you get their financial house in order, a lot of other good things can happen from them. So I think I would I would counsel myself to say, hey, Chris, take take a harder look at that 
employ that as sort of a peripheral support of cost of care and, and just the overall benefits platform in and of itself, it would reduce turnover, which actually helps my population health management efforts over time. It helps the education of how to use the plan over time. It helps the employer from a PNC standpoint, safety training, all the other things that they need to retrain people who come in or are new. The impacts are pretty, pretty extraordinary. And it's, I think the other thing that I would counsel myself to is be very aware that you're not in a silo that everything you do affects everything else that client is trying to accomplish. So know your client's five-year strategic plan. Know who's, you know, what happens to them if you don't achieve your goals. Like, have a deeper, closer relationship with the client. Um, you know, Jerry Maguire used to say, fewer clients, less money, right? That, that was his line. I don't know that that's the answer, but a deeper, closer relationship with them and their members, I think, can only help. Yeah. So switch that conversation. You have spent a career talking to employers. How does the new Chris talk to employers uh, maybe differently than than just even you know a couple months ago? Yeah, it, it, it's interesting, right? So now, what you say and what you're paid to say, right? It's kind of like you're you're I'm out here, and interestingly enough, I'm with an organization that. Um, is incredibly transparent, almost frighteningly transparent about what they do and how they do it. Um, I think the difference, Lester, is that I have all of that other benefits knowledge to recognize what this one thing can do to the rest of it and can impact on the rest of it. So it's I have an ecosystem understanding, but I operate in, in, in a very small sliver of, of that world. But what I've recognized is the elegance of this product is its simplicity. The effectiveness is its reach. It touches so many other things that we're trying to solve for in a very positive way, just by virtually saying, hey, we're, we're going to give you the ability to pay. What does that do? It, it has it has a, an extraordinary impact. So I think that for me is is a large part of it. It's just that the, the, the experience I bring to this space is understanding the implications of it, that broader implications and kind of working with my sales team and my account management team to recognize that they're not just working on affordability and access. They're working on medical outcomes. All these other things have an impact and they need to be really proud of that. It is. Um, I mean, it is why our company is called Next Impact because, you know, when you start to realize how changing the paradigm and the conversation that guys like us have had our entire career just changing it just a little bit. And, and some of it is just, you know, again, that empathy and that focus on, on that end person. So I want to end with the good story. I'm sure you have a million of them to share. Talk to me about the employer, right? What, what were they doing before? What issue were they trying to solve? How did you guys help them solve it? And, and, and what was the impact that that created? I'd, I'd love to leave the audience with, that you know that take home um so so we've had so many stories like that it's all it's almost more enjoyable to tell the end user story okay um, i mean the, the member story and so I'll, I'll show you this this is this is what we printed not too long ago and these are just part of our uh, member reviews it's a public slack channel that's out there and we get them every single day they come in all day long and 99% of them are so positive. One in particular sticks out to me um, that my chairman said that to the entire company about a month ago. A gentleman 
had written back and said, you know, for the last five years, I've been missing a tooth in the front of my mouth due to an accident that occurred that I couldn't afford to replace. And he said that, um, he said, because of the patient card, I was able to replace that. And for the first time in five years, the other day, I smiled. So I don't know if you know this, but when you smile, there's a lot of neurochemical releases that occur that are not only healthy, but they're necessary. They're important to your mental health. And I just thought to myself, and it chokes me up when I think about it, what a prison this guy was in for so long because he simply couldn't afford to replace a tooth. So he felt self-conscious, did not smile, and did not experience that. And now he's out there smiling every day. Like, that's a silly little thing, but man, it's big. And when you when you when you think of that, think of that over time and over a broader population, just these little micro things that have an impact. I could I could open that book and recite seven or eight in a row, and, and every one is more endearing than the next. And when those employees go back to their HR team and say, Thank you for providing this. This is the first benefit that I've had that I was really able to use and understand, and it made a difference for me, and this is why. That's that's the why. That's why we do this. That's why do no harm is our core. Like if somebody calls and says, you know, I, I want to be able to take care of this and get a wheelchair for my daughter. It's not covered under our plan design, but can I cover it? Yes, absolutely. Swipe the card at the facility. And, you know, it's on a visa rail. Swipe the card. Let's let's set that up for you. I mean, those are the kind of things that I feel like we're making a difference on that are incredibly heartwarming. And that's why all 75 people in this company are leaning in the same direction. I mean, we're flocking like, you know, like we're, we're all moving at the same speed and want to continue to do this great work. And it, it, it does have an impact. It has an impact across, you know, what you're trying to accomplish. It has an impact across what hospitals are trying to gain. It has an impact across what carriers are trying to accomplish. We're all trying to solve the same thing. And that's really what I learned when I switched sides or switched positions. We're all really working hard to solve the same thing. We compete with one another here and there, and we trade pain here and there, and we have our arguments. But ultimately, we're all trying to solve a very complex problem that's not easy. Um, and I love where I'm sitting and the ability to do that and support people um, through through this position. And it's equally as rewarding as anything I think I've ever, I've ever done professionally speaking. Awesome. Awesome. Well, man, I, I appreciate the time you've spent with us if somebody heard that, like, damn, I've never heard a patient. Uh, I need to. Where does somebody learn a little bit more about the organization, about the product, uh, and where can they, you know, keep tabs on you and follow you? Go to patient.com, P-A-Y-T-I-E-N-T.com. Go in there and download your broker kit. Uh, that'll that'll signify us to reach out to you. Our contact information is all there. Uh, we're an open book. We love to work through the broker community that's our that's our general market focus um the company is is again i would say probably one of the better kept, kept secrets hopefully that won't last too long but uh yeah you can find us at patient.com awesome awesome well look uh this whole podcast is intended to not keep good things secret so uh we'll make sure we get it out as much as we can chris thanks so much for uh spending the time uh and and thanks for you know, that that epiphany moment, I, I share that epiphany moment on, you know, the advisor that I was, I don't think was waking up trying to do harm, but it definitely was far removed from what I think about today. And uh, I'll say this, at least for myself, I, I put my head down on the pillow 
uh, a lot more uh, a lot more gingerly and smiling uh, today than I did before. Definitely not the easier road. I'm sure you could say that in the startup world versus, uh, yeah. you know, but but uh, if it was easy, everybody would do it. That's what mom said, right? Well, yeah, I just want to say, Lester, thank you for all the good work you do. You're really you're you're enabling a lot of brokers out there who couldn't otherwise uh, pull the triggers that you pull for them. That makes them more effective, and as a result, I think is improving the, the system out there um, on a house to house fight. So, thank you. Your work is very very important. Thank you, thank you, thank you for yeah. our audience. Make sure you go look patient up. This is, I mean, let's say it. It's a kind of a no-brainer to start having this conversation. So make sure you're looking it up and make sure you're downloading our episodes. This is another episode of Impact Healthcare. Thanks so much. We'll see you on the next episode. You've been listening to Impact Healthcare, people and strategies that are disrupting the health benefits industry with Lester Morales. Remember, the journey to getting 20% savings on your healthcare benefits starts with total transparency. Remember to subscribe to the Impact Healthcare podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.